Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. I just needed a good breakaway point to introduce Iman. <laughs> yes, that this song is. Ladies and gentlemen, every time I walk in, <laughs> it's any situation doesn't matter. Every time I take a dump, this yeah, place, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I come out of the bathroom all refreshed, and I'm like, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's the new spokesperson for Charmin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't sue us, <laughs> guys. ProjectSapien.org. <laughs> Check us out. Send us an email. Project Sapien 2020 at gmail.com. We want to thank our thousands of listeners. You guys just keep listening. You keep telling your friends. We love you. Thank you for making us the number one military and law enforcement podcast on the planet. We want to thank our supporters, Till Valhalla, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the Profiles and Havoc Podcast, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and OD Kit. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under Police Podcast. So, buddy what's up you got some interesting shit that you sent me earlier you said read this and i didn't well typical <laughs> so typical what what is that supposed to mean like, asshole you just don't read it i send you a text and you're like what <laughs> yeah exactly because you're sleeping and you read something wrong I don't full know disclosure it's been three days can you tell in my eyes oh, i can tell in your eyes all right <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> Let's get to this fucking thing here. Right, Dispatch. Before, before we get there, yeah. I got a funny story. I, uh, I must here we go again. Happened today. Right. It was perfect. So I got to give a shout out to my to my boy that uh, works in my unit. Um, so dealing, we dealt with this drug den, just shit and crime disorder, drug dealers in and out, druggies, squatting, like whole nine yards. You can have anywhere between three to fucking 15 people in this place. Yep. And- in a very nice uh, condo community, might I add. Okay. So it's very unlike to see that type it's of shit. It's out of place. Completely out of place. Yeah, yeah. So what ended up happening, quick, you know, uh, the, the, essentially the uh, townhouse belongs to nobody, right? <laughs> okay. That's, that's the way I could explain it. It's just common area? Pretty like- much. It's, it's, it's turned into a squatter's haven because okay. whomever, okay. whomever owned it, uh, passed away and then it the place went to into a trust and then it turned into this like big mess. Okay. So it's a clusterfuck, but yeah. Pretty much. So we ended up finally we were going with everybody from the city departments, very water, electricity, just everybody. We just went in, shut it down, arrested who we had to arrest, just everyone get the fuck out, basically. Mm-hmm. Neighbors were clapping, cheer. I I, I actually yeah, it was it was funny. I actually was surprised on the amount of cheering I heard. Like from really? the oh, they loved the police came down and just cleaned like in one sweep. We just fucking. Are you sure it. you didn't mistaken? We love the police for fuck the police. No, it was like All shaking right. our hands, whole wow. nine yards. Oh yeah, no, they loved it. And um, and so we're calling uh, now. This is uh, obviously people don't see like the after now with the amount of paperwork that needs to be done and sure. filed and finished on our end. But sure. it's going to take a couple days to do. But uh, so 
my my uh so I, I i tell my partners trying to figure out okay let's find out who actually owns whether it's bank or foreclose or whatever we need to figure this out yep so he goes and uh calls uh the mortgage company we find out who it is and they could give a fuck they they don't care <laughs> they're like well it's in foreclosure and whatever that's pretty much it yeah and so during the course of the conversation i hear my partner say well i am the city and i'm like what? What? I'm like, you just, you just said it. Judge Dread, motherfucker. So, so I created this meme just for him. Uh, it's Judge Dread. It, during that scene where he yells out, "I am the law" with his mask and everything. You know, old Judge Dread, not new one. Old Judge Dread. I was still. There's a Stallone. new Judge Dread. Yeah, there's a, a second. Uh, Carl Urban did Judge Dread. What? Kind of like a remake or whatever. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was actually not bad. It Is it good. on like Netflix or something? Um, I think Amazon Prime. I'm gonna watch that tonight. Well, Holy should. shit! It's, it's actually pretty good. Um, so, so he, uh, so I created this meme, and then I, I write my partner's <laughs> name. No, I, so I write the the operator's name, the company name, you know, the company, and says, um, "Can someone from the city get in touch with us?" And then I write my partner's name. I says, <laughs> "I am the city." Yeah, and, and it was like such. I was like, "Dude, that's a." Did you print it out and put it anywhere? Oh, fuck yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, we have a- So that was today? Have, yeah, that was today. We have a board uh, at work where, you know, greatest quotes or whatever. And usually it's the funny shit, you know, that we say during the course of our work. Um, like when I deal with uh, certain deaths of certain people that, you know, uh, we don't really <laughs> care much about. And when I say dead is good enough for me, and they're like, oh, yeah. So, so that, that made the wall. But anyways, his, his now made the wall of I am the When city. you go in tomorrow- Yeah. I want you to tell me how many dicks have been drawn on the. <laughs> uh, well, the plus side is our our uh, office is uh, secluded. Oh, so you can't get in without the yeah, and that's no proper fun. access. That's well, no, well, that's it, no fun. I can't say much on the other guys in the unit that will probably draw <laughs> dick pics and whatever else on it, but but yeah. So that's that's my funny story of the day. That, that, it was actually oh, great. hilarious. I that's am, a good story. And, I am the city. And you, you just told me that there's a Judge Dredd out on Prime, and I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's uh, with Carl Urban. I'm down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. So what I sent, so um, again, I've been doing this four science analyst course, mm. uh, advanced analyst course, awesome, awesome course with a multitude of data studies on use of force and, and human error and all kinds of stuff. I mean, excellent job by those mm -hmm. guys. So they had us uh, read this uh, study done by Sage, and uh, looks like just so I give the right uh, accolades to Paul L. Taylor School of Public Affairs, University of Colorado, Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like he also uh, uh, he's a corresponding author in this. Um, so the article goes: dispatch priming mm -hmm. and the police decision to use deadly force. Interesting. Now. Before I get into this and our dispatchers start getting pissed off at us over this, we all know dispatchers have a tough, tough, tough job. Yes, they do. Because they're the voice on the other end of the line to maintain calm, to dispatch in officers and all kinds of I, craziness that goes on in the dispatch side. I, I got to say, over the years, I have developed very good relationships with a lot of my dispatchers. Yeah. And I thoroughly appreciate them. I don't, I'm not just saying it because I know a few of them listen to this. Yeah. I thoroughly appreciate them because they know it's almost like they know how to be cops. They know what I'm yeah. looking for. They know how to put the info out. But this goes back to 
we all have them, the shitty dispatchers, just like with the shitty just officers. Like shitty cops, right. It, 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 so this is kind of more geared towards that. So gotcha. the good dispatchers, this is not on you. This is more talking about uh, from the police perspective when bad information is put out because yep. the dispatcher could give a fuck. They weren't paying attention, whatever. That results in deadly force accidentally because the wrong information right. was put out. Yep. So this is what this is about. Every single person listening to this already has this primed in their head. Pretty much. So let's go. All right. So Where are I'm going to go with a couple studies, uh, starting with uh, Los Angeles uh, County. So in Los Angeles, so the study, it's, it's a very in-depth study. So I highlighted certain parts of it that we're going to go mm -hmm. over just, just, you know, so in uh, Los Angeles County, we have five to 15 police shootings a year due to what we call perception issues. Hmm. These have become bigger, uh, a bigger problem in the last five or six years. Uh, they are also called cell phone shootings. Yes. Typically what happens is a deputy has contact with an individual, short foot pursuit occurs during that foot pursuit. Uh, individual makes for an affirmative movement such as tossing motion or produces something in their clothes that the officer mistakes for a weapon. Yep. And then you know what happens. We, we get shots fired and, and, and you know, uh, Tragedy happens after that when it turns out to be a cell phone or something sure, else. Sure, sure. Um, so on April 30th, 2015 in San Diego, yep. California, police officers were dispatched with information about a man brandishing a knife. Moments after the first officer arrived, he shot and killed uh, Fridun Rosh, uh, Roshan. Roshan. Yeah, Roshan Nihad who approached him with a pen in his hand. Now we've talked about this before where the call taker also gives the bad information or yep. the call taker is racist and will come up with something yeah. to get police to respond. Right. Yeah. So we've, we've discussed this before. I've, I've even written articles about it. Um, so I want to keep, have people, all right, keep this in mind. Like we, we are, you know, in the study, I'll go over a part of the study where they did go into that, where they took, the hypotheticals and stuff like that to make sure that they were, you know, hundred percent on, uh, on the data. Sure. So, uh, on December 12th, 2016, Bakersfield, California, police officer were dispatched with information about a man brandishing a revolver. In the end, 73 year old, uh, Francisco Cerna was shot and killed when he pulled a wooden cruf uh, crucifix from his pocket. So according to the Los Angeles police department, 2018 report, uh, self data report, um, of 211 shooting incidents between 2013 and 2017 were initiated by a dispatch call for service and 14% were classified as perception only shootings. Faulkner and Carter 2015 found similar numbers for the Philadelphia Police Department between 2007 and 2013. Approximately 52% of incidents that ended in shooting were initiated by a dispatch call for service. Okay. 10% of the shooting <clears throat> cases examined were classified as a mistake of fact. So now here's here's the numbers of what they took. So they took 385 uh, shootings okay. in Philadelphia, right, from 2007 to 2013. Mm -hmm. So three, out of 385, they're saying... 10%. Uh, 10% were classified as a mistake of fact. Okay. Okay, so which is about, uh, looks like 35 uh, shootings. Yeah. So this is consistent with literature on human error which has found that the integration of technology into a work environment, even when it is implemented for the best intentions, fundamentally changes the, the complex, complexity of human decision-making and impact 
outcomes in unanticipated ways. So that sure. we've talked about it, right? Yeah. We've talked about how, you know, the, the age of the cruiser and windows are rolled up and yeah, yeah. just information overload, sure. you know, from all the computers and the bells and whistles and, and police cars, right? So uh, over on page four, Pete. So, yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's an interesting theory and, or wording that these guys are choosing to use. One of them being heuristic and situated, uh, decision-making. We'll go over into what they actually mean with those in in a few. All right. So officers who routinely called upon to prejudge persons by making quick decisions about what their behavior has been in the past or is likely to be in the future. Right, so this is from uh, James Q. Wilson, and this is in 1968. He wrote mm-hmm. this. He noted that officers seem to be particularly attuned to two types of cues: those that signal danger and those that signal impropriety. Mm-hmm. In the same vein, uh, Jerome looks like Skolnick. Skolnick. Yeah, uh, 1966. He he said the policeman, because of his work, requires him to be occupied continually with potential violence. Develops a perceptual shorthand to identify certain kinds of people as symbol uh, symbolic assailants that is as persons who use gesture language attire that policemen have uh, come to recognize as a prelude to violence and this is the thing the cues right sure the uh, the behavior cues that we look at 1977 William Muir called this pigeonholing mm-hmm. to anticipate what's going to happen policemen develop a sense of pattern in human affairs they formed concepts or classifications which helped them assimilate and distinguish between discrete persons and events. Concepts were attended by visual procedures by which policemen processed the details uh, moment into abstra- these abstractions. Yep. So this has been researched since the 60s. It's already looking like, right? On why, uh, again, answering, trying to answer the why. Why is this happening? Why, why are officers primed as they're going to calls for service for, you know, possible violence. Sure. So Daniel uh, Kahneman, uh, 2011, defines heuristics as simple procedures that help find adequate, though often imperfect, answers to difficult questions. Hmm. Now, now put this in, like, the body language idea, right? When you see someone reach into their pocket, right, it's a, so we go through a mental procedure yeah. to help find the adequate, often imperfect answer. So why is he going into his pocket? There may be a weapon. We need to get ahead of it right yeah. away. Right? I mean, I just, when you said that, I thought, you know, fundamentally, no matter yeah. who you're talking to or you're engaged with on the street, yeah. somebody puts their hands in their pockets. I don't care oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. kind of cop, you're thinking about it. Oh, yeah. No, well, that's, that's why they're talking about being right. primed. Right. So if we get a call for a suspicious individual who may have a knife on him or mm-hmm. something... As soon as they go into a pocket, we're already primed. This may be a deadly force situation as a result. Right. So that's that's kind of where this is getting into. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So the first is the concept of priming, which that's what we're getting into now. Priming is the notion that exposure to an earlier stimulus can influence the response of a later stimulus. Makes sense, right? Sure. Uh, so going to page five. So we might hypothesize that dispatched information about the presence of a weapon before an officer arrives on scene may influence an officer's decision-making and subsequent actions in the field, which is true. It makes sense. If, yeah. we, if we know we're going into a shitstorm, 
of poss- you know, shots fired or gun or shot spotter getting us to a certain location. We're already primed, like, all right, already in our heads, tactical situation. Let's think about, you know, safe, egress, you know, out, in and out. Well, and- I, I mean, I mean, in, in a very simplistic way, right? Dispatch information about the presence of a weapon before an officer arrives. You have a dispatcher telling you there's a white male with a red hat and yep. blue jeans and he's got a gun. Yeah. In your head, he's got a gun. Yep. I mean, that's as prime as primed as it gets. Oh yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And and as we get into it, you'll you'll notice the uh, the, the study they did. You'll find it fascinating. Okay. Uh, in terms of how they were able to uh, quantify the data. So dispatch priming is likely mediated through the availability of heuristic and and may strengthened through confirmation bias. Research on the availability of heuristics has shown that people faced with a difficult decision tend to favor the first thought that comes to mind. Interesting. That's that's an interesting statement right yeah. there, right? Because, yeah. again, it's about being in your comfort zone, right? I, I That's the way I kind of read it is like, all right, you're going to go back to what you know in your prior experiences. Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. I'm not dogging Sage or anything at all. How do they know this? So research Once, on the availability, the availability heuristic has shown. Yeah. What did they do to later on? You'll okay, see. Okay. You, like I said, this is now again. This is like the intro. So Got it. once once we get into study, you'll start to see okay. how they were able to do it. And even then, here's the thing. Again, they did already disclose. This is not a, 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 a there's not not enough research into this to make this solid. So more research it is needs happening. more study. Needs more study. So just so you know, but there's more study being done about this because again this is still a new type of study even sure. though it was talked about in the 60s and all this data out there and whatever it hasn't been really studied in depth like this is the first in-depth study I've and, seen. and this is good that they're actually yeah, doing it they're, they're actually doing it so um if you go down so uh, radio dispatch and computer automated dispatch systems provide modern law enforcement officers with a substantial amount of information before they ever reach the physical environment, people or emergency they're responding to, which, which is hundred percent true. I mean, you know how the MDTs and the computers sure. are, uh, the bells and whistles I rely and on it. shit going on and you're on the way and you get a quick message, you know, of additional information as you get in there. Um, so, uh, where are we? Oh, conceptually, this information should decrease response times and increase the officer's ability to coordinate a safe outcome. Okay. Uh, this is, again, this is a study by Rubenstein back in 1973. All right, this is what, that's what he said about radio dispatch and stuff. So, uh, indeed, uh, Fife in 1989 argued police should use pre-event information like what they receive from dispatch to help them diagnose and prepare for an evolving situation they are responding to and here and thereby avoid the need for the split second decision making so often associated with uh, police deadly force encounters now here's the thing like i had an issue with his that statement i said yeah. i'm like well but here's the thing fluid situations tend to have split second decision times right we we see that all the time so i so again this is in 1989 this is what fife said it's well, it's using his argument is based on the fact that you have pre event information. So the fact that you have stuff that's changing completely, th- in, in no disrespect to Fife, but it completely throws that out. Like yeah. if you have all the information, but you don't really know that you have all no, the information. No, you, you never do. Then, yeah, you could make some kind of decision, but again, and, and you know, help them diagnose and prepare. But 
everything's always evolving. Well, here's the thing. Think of a SWAT op or even a narc hit, right? We have all the information we need. Yeah. Floor plans, fucking the amount of people. Exactly. You're shaking your head. You know where I'm going yeah. with this, right? Yeah. All the shit we need, fucking information. This is who's in the house. This is how many dogs. This is that. This is this. This is that. Fucking door goes through the rim. What do you see? Completely, Completely different. Completely different. <laughs> exactly. You know. So so that's why I I, I don't agree with his uh, with his statement right there. Right, right. Again, like you said, no disrespect to Fife. Um, it's just I, I don't agree with that with that statement. Um, so let's uh, move on now. Human error. <laughs> there's, a good, there's, a, there's a good one. There's a lot of officers that won't that will deny that this ever happens, but okay. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, heuristics are cognitive shortcuts that allow people to quickly make decisions without gathering all the relevant facts. So this is just a, a, a definition again. On the downside, because they shortcut much of the available information to reach a suitable answer quickly, heuristics can and regularly do result in error. If a person tends to the wrong information and ignores or mistakenly interprets the right information, heuristics can lead to systematic and predictable error. Here's the thing, again, so this is what I see. Officer officer that gets shot or killed, you know, or gets assaulted, we'll say. Yeah. Sometimes they miss those cues, those pre-attack cues, sure. especially we see it in younger officers or officers that have never been in a fight. Right. They don't realize when someone's clutching their fist, they're getting ready to punch you. Yeah. You know, there's certain, certain actions that we know that we see well, like, oh, yeah, this dude's getting ready to, like, like you know, an example was I was FIOing somebody. FIO for the non-cop uh, is a field inter interview and uh, observation. I don't think we can say interrogation. Anymore. No, that's evil. <laughs> I have to edit that out. <laughs> so field interview and uh, and uh, observation. So it's, a, it's essentially a Terry stop, right? So I had an individual I was talking to uh, just having a conversation uh, something I didn't like about him. Um, I ended up having him sitting in the back of the car, but the door opened, right? You could free to leave anytime you want, whatever, but just sit down, relax. Cause he was getting kind of antsy, antsy to me. So I, again, I hate it, hate it again. No disrespect to dispatchers when they call me on the phone in the middle of an investigatory stop. Like, <laughs> don't call me like, tell me over the radio, you know, like I don't care. But anyways, they call me over the phone. And as I'm talking on the phone, I see, what do I see him step one foot out? Ooh, he's already getting ready. He's planning. He's planning. I right away again. I do that psychological ambush. Yep. I was like, "Hey, nah, don't even try it, dude." Like, I I know what you're about to do, and he's like, "What? What? What?" I'm like, "I know what you're about." Oh to my do. my leg's hot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so so this goes right here, right? You know where? Yeah, I made the conclusion right away. I like here's the thing. I know the body language. I can see it. I can tell it. Right. That is a correct interpretation. Mm -hmm. But he's saying that. It also leads to incorrect information. Sure, it does. Because you're reading the body language wrong. I can see that. This is very fair. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so I, I can see that. So, similarly situated people process information in similar ways and circumstances that result in human error. Tend to result in repeated errors over time and across people. So, I recently went to a, a conference. Uh, Gordon Graham. Uh, he's like. Lexapole and owns police one and stuff. He had a, uh, a big talk and uh, it, was, it was very good because this reminded me of something he was talking about is uh, he calls them the, uh, the, the, the rhino and the elephant, I believe, or something like that. Like, like the, the cops who, who you knew from the get-go, they had issues and it led from one error to another, to another, to another, to a use of force that was totally disaster. disaster. 
So I, it, it, I agree with this where you see the errors. I mean, I see it. Here's the thing as a range instructor, I'll see errors in, in, in the way they, they shoot. I try to fix those errors. So if I see them again, though, that tells me, well, one, you're fucking not fixing yourself. Right. And two, you don't give a fuck, I guess. <clears throat> so to me, those, are, those errors compound to the inevitable. Bigger and bigger it. and snowballs. Again, I, I, we talk about Boston Marathon, the amount of negligent discharges and fucking rounds being traded by blue on blue type shit. Right. Where those, again, I, I bet you, I bet you, you go back into their training files or into whatever, and you'll see error after error after error that led, that snowballed into a major event that now they were forced to act upon. I'm not, I'm not going to say every one of them. I'm no, going to no, say more everyone. likely than more, not. That's right. Yeah. More likely than not. More That's very fair. So uh, moving on to more on this. So expertise and error are two sides of the same coin. This is uh, uh, Woods, Decker, Cook, Johansson, and Starter. Back in 2010, they did this research. And one of their uh, things that came out of it is expertise and error are two sides of the same coin. The same decision rule, heuristic or otherwise, may uh, under one set of circumstances result in satisfactory um, or even expert performance, but under another set of circumstances, it could be the result in error. Mm -hmm. Woods call this a brittle decision rule. If an officer were to employ an implicit heuristic decision rule that relied on dispatch information about the presence of a weapon that subsequently encounters an ambiguously armed person who rapidly produces a weapon, the ability to anticipate the attack and respond accordingly could easily be mistaken for expertise. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, these, these ambushes that we get into is dumb luck. Right. That we're able to, uh, to, to respond. To respond as quickly as we can. Right. And, and here's the thing. Even for science, with all their studies they've done, the bad guy always has a leg up on us. Yeah, I mean, because action is always faster than reaction, point, right? Again, uh, if you remember back, 0.25 milliseconds yeah. is the bad guys to pull their gun and fire at you. The officer's response, the fastest officer was ha was a point, it was half a second. Yeah. You know, so, so no matter what, you're behind already. Yeah. So I can see this, again, dumb luck. The, the bad guy got the round off, missed, and you were able to lay him down and that's it. I, I could 100%. Totally, I could totally see that. Uh, so now, as we move along, uh, now we get into the study. Okay, this is page nine. Now we're going to get into study. Oh, so, boy. So, I see graphs. Yeah, lots of graphs, numbers, <laughs> fucking integers and ends. I have and, a headache already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so participation in the study was voluntary. So they took... Uh, just kind of, they, they wanted to do a mid-size kind of diverse, so diverse group. So they included mid-size Western Municipal Departments, which were 86 officers, mid-size Western Sheriff's Departments, 55, small Western Campus Police, 33. Uh, these numbers are 33 officers, 55 officers, 86 officers, uh, just so you guys are following along. And an East Coast Cooperative Training Center composed of 15 uh, different departments, which totaled the number of 132 so okay. they have a good, they had they had a bunch of officers uh, to a good sample set. Yeah, good sample set. Participation in the study was voluntary. Confidentiality was extended to both officers and agencies involved. The project received approval from both a university institutional review board and an executive officer from each of the participating agencies. Very thorough. Very thorough. The data of the study were collected between July of 2016 and October of 2016 by the author. Participant recruitment and the ex uh, experiment itself were conducted during previously scheduled in-service training days 
at the participating agencies. A brief presentation was given at the start of each training session to solicit volunteers, which is smart. Go yeah. into in-service. You have all kinds of agencies there. Uh, potential volunteers were told the study was focused on police decision-making using a firearm training, which is Milo, uh, simulator, which yeah. is Milo. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Milo is uh, basically like a projector screen in front of you. So it's, it's almost like uh, playing a, a kind okay. of VR, but not really. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a training tool. So each volunteer officer were asked not to divulge the contents of the video scenario they saw uh, or their experience in the study uh, to other potential participants. All right. So this is how they uh, they use the independent variables, they call them, all right, the following dispatch treatments. So one thing they call STEM control, which is dispatch. This is the script they use. Unit one, respond to 411 Main Street for on a possible trespass in progress. Break, then break. Unit one, continuing. The RP is a next door neighbor who says her neighbors are away on vacation and someone she doesn't recognize walking around the house and peering through the windows. Break. Unit one continuing. The subject is a white male wearing black hoodie, khaki pants, black beanie, and sunglasses. Okay. So this script, um, they actually <clears throat> reviewed it with a, a bunch of dispatchers to see the accuracy. Like, would this be something you guys would do? And these dispatchers said, yes, mm -hmm. this is how we would. Which, to me and U.S. cops, are like, yeah, that'd sure. be a, that's a typical call for service. Yeah. Gun prime update. Unit one. So this is when they prime the officer. Sure. Whoever's responding. All right. Gun prime update. Unit one, additional. The RP says subject appears to be holding a gun. Cell phone prime update. So this is now a different update. Cell phone prime update. So they're going to do these updates with the different officers. Like one officer is going to get the gun. The other one's going to have the cell and they're going to see how they respond. Yep. Unit one, additional. The RP says a subject uh, appears to be talking on the cell phone. Uh -huh. So no gun priming, right? This is, this is the cell phone priming. Wait, so they didn't gun prime and cell phone prime? So no. they did one or the other? One or the other okay. with the officers. All right, so they did one or the other. The, uh, it'll go into how they broke it down. Got it. All right, so officers assigned to the control dispatch treatment, uh, which were 100 officers, heard only the STEM dispatch. So only that initial dispatch mm -hmm. of going to the house for a possible B&E and whatever else. That's all they got. Then... Officers assigned to the gun prime dispatch update, which were 106 officers, heard the STEM dispatch and the prime update dispatch. Got it. Okay. All right. That's what you just said. Yep. Officers assigned to the cell phone prime treatment, which were 100 officers, heard the STEM dispatch and the cell phone prime update. So you have one group that all they got was the initial call, and that's it. One group got the gun prime. Hey, he has a firearm. Third group, cell phone. All right, so that's how they... I like this. Right, this is how they did it. Again, that's like, it, it, it's an unreal research, you know? So officers assigned to the cell phone scenario were shown a video of a man matching the description. Where, so this is the Milo. So typically on the Milo, you'll have like an actor uh, in front of you doing whatever yeah. uh, for the trainings, just so people uh, understand that. So officers assigned to the prime... Uh, cell phone scenario were shown a video of a man matching the description uh, in the STEM dispatch. Standing uh, front uh, in front of a white wall with his hands in his jacket pocket. I may have even done this. Probably, yeah. We probably <laughs> all. I mean, there's there's thousands of scenarios. In right, these right. So, after approximately six seconds, the man rapidly pulls his right hand from his pocket and pointed the cell phone at the officers as if to film them. Right. So this is now 
this is kind of the way it played out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now officers assigned to the gun scenario. We're showing the video of the same person dressed the same exact clothing, white wall, hands in pockets, all that stuff. After approximately six seconds, the man rapidly produced a hand, uh, you know, right hand, pointed a handgun at the officers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the dependent variable, the, the the dependent variable of the study was whether or not an officer fired the simulated handgun during the course of the scenario. Shooting at any time during the cell phone scenario was considered a false positive error. Not shooting within the four second decision window during the gun scenario was considered also a false negative. Four seconds. Yeah, that's wow. a long time. Yeah, exactly. That's like delay response, like to recognize that there's a gun in front of you and then four seconds later you decide. That's a long time, dude. Yeah. Yeah, again, they, so you're talking 10 seconds. So six seconds before the guy pulls the gun out. Yeah. And then an additional four seconds for the officer thinking about it. <laughs> So that's a training issue right there. Just, just yeah, you know, there. that's a training issue. Anyway, so the results, here's, here's kind of the interesting part. The results of the cell phone scenario are shown to table to and indicate a significant and stronger relationship between the information an officer receives from dispatch and decision to use deadly force in a simulated environment. So you're going to see um, for officers who fired their weapon, just so you guys know, 6%. So three officers ended up shooting the individual with the cell phone. Even though they they knew that they're going to a call, the guy has a cell phone walking around the house, no mention of firearm. So they still got scared and popped him. Yeah, still got scared and popped him. Okay, so that's one of them. The one with the gun, 100%. All the officers Every, shot Everybody him. shot him. Everybody shot him. Not one officer didn't shoot him. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that'd be an issue right there. <laughs> Do that in 2022. Uh, yeah. So limitations. All right. In, in, in as, such, as much as voluntary participation with the selection uh, bias, a potential issue, the sample does not appear to be demographically representative of a larger. So, so they go over kind of like, okay, this is the problems of the study. Like, more study needs, uh, more research needs to be done. Sure. Right. So they already put that out there, which I, I, I like, you know, so they're not saying this is a hundred percent definitive, but this is just a sample of what we got so far, which is fair. This is a scientific process, dude. Yeah. Well, again, when uh, people forget what science is all about, it's the hypothesis testing the hypothesis over and over and over and over, over. over and again. And they still continue to do that to this day. Like if know? we were scientists, you and I, yeah, my job would be to prove you wrong and your exactly. job would be to prove me wrong. Well, that's the whole idea behind peer reviewed. Exactly. Yeah. You prove me wrong. I prove you. Yeah. We go and back let's and keep forth. going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the whole part of well, education. That's why, well, that's why these research papers never go out till years later. Yeah. You know, because of the peer review, because of the back and forth uh, between uh, these scientists and these uh, researchers. All right. So in page 14, the discussion now. Mm -hmm. All right. This is kind of sums up the entire study. When dispatch told officers the subject appeared to be talking on the cell phone and subsequently encountered subject produced the cell phone, only 6% of the officers made an error when compared with 28% of the control group. All Interesting. Right. If we look solely at the outcome, the correct information allows the officer to perform at a much higher level. However, when officers were told the subject appeared to be holding a gun and the subsequent encountered a subject produced a cell phone, 62% of the officers made a shooting error. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it's very realistic. Exactly. That that's the thing. It's 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 realistic because again, they were primed, right? Yeah. It was a cell phone. It wasn't gun, and that's the thing on the call taker side, right? Where the call or the caller, sorry, that gives this information to dispatch. They're already so now they're primed for a deadly force encounter. Now it's not on the fault of the dispatcher, right? But this is just saying that this could be a potential issue. Look. 62% made a shooting error. Mm -hmm. Call the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. How many times have you drawn down on someone and thought about it? Here's the thing. Drawing down versus low ready is two different things. Okay. Yeah. So yeah fair th enough. Yeah. They're going to go into that. Yeah. You'll okay. See, you'll see. Oh, they are. <laughs> they are going to go into <laughs> okay. that. You'll see. You'll see. They, they actually did a phenomenal job. Okay. I actually enjoyed this research uh, a lot. So- uh, 62%, okay, it is interesting to note that outcomes for the cell phone scenario could be dramatically altered by slightly changing the information the officers received. When the information was correct, officer performance significantly improved. When the information was incorrect, officer performance was significantly degraded, mm -hmm. and error became much more likely. So Woods in 2019 would have called this brittle, a brittle relationship. Okay. That is, things that improved performance under some or even most circumstances can all under slightly different but similar circumstances lead to catastrophic failures. That's a very fair, yeah. fair assessment and, and, and uh, thing to say. So as, as you go along, I mean, this is the, that's the end of the research um, because they uh, obviously cite the shit out of everything, everything that they used and all the scientists, all the doctors that were involved. But so here's the thing. It's a very, uh, the, 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 do you want me to go over the conclusion actually? I'm, I was reading it as you're talking and yeah. I'm like, do, you know what, you maybe we should it? mention that. You, go into it. Go ahead. So conclusion, police shootings have become one of the most visible and controversial features of the criminal justice system. Klinger et al., 2005, yet very little empirical effort has been devoted to understanding the underlying systemic vulnerabilities that may contribute to these tragic outcomes. 100%. Yep. Using a randomized controlled experiment, the research described in this article examined cell phone shooting errors and the effect of dispatch priming on the officer's decision to use deadly force. The findings contribute to the broader understanding of the officer's decision-making within the context of police shootings and introduce the theoretical concepts of cognitive, heuristics, and human error to police literature on deadly force. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. More research is needed on the systemic, technological, and situational factors that contribute to police decision-making within these highly contextualized events. Understanding these processes can give us insight into the underlying weakness found in everyday police practice and clues about how to make these processes more resilient against future errors. Every fucking police chief should read that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know what? It's not even on the police chief because I know a lot of police chiefs, 75 to 85% of police chiefs are awesome. Yeah. Right. You know what we need to do is we need to drill these things into things like Congress. Why? Oh, yeah. So that we can get funding for yeah. more of this research. Yeah. You have, the profession is what, about a million cops? A million cops. Yeah, uh, 800,000. So then you have all, a lot of times I've heard those numbers don't yeah. include campus police and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I would say- So we'll give, say a million. Give, give it a million. We'll, we'll give it a million. Give it a million. You have a control group of a million people. Yeah. It, yes, it may take time. But with proper funding, we can get a lot of information. It. Here's the thing. If they take, not just, let's say, not a million, take 500 officers per state, 
Okay, yeah. In a randomized control group. Go to five different parts of the state. Right. Yep. 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 And do 500 each part of the state and do that across the entire country. 100%, bro. You'll get a good, good data base. From just this small amount of control. Almost 300 officers. That's all they did. Just a small amount of officers. Nine out of 10 people listening to this are like, holy shit, they're right. Yeah. So imagine how much more conclusive evidence we can get. Or how much, how much information that we can get that we can argue, yeah, and f- find different, find different findings. Well, that's you know? the thing. So, so with with our dispatchers, um, you know, one thing that that well, let me cut you off. Yeah, yeah. Include the dispatchers. Well, that's in the what training. I mean. That's what I mean. This this should also go to dispatchers, yes. not just police officers. Dispatchers need to see kind of the end result when bad information is conveyed to the officer. That's why I mean, again, the shitty dispatchers get lazy and don't ask the right fucking questions, and they don't give a fuck, and they don't give a fuck. It goes back to, again, some deserve the badge, others don't. Some deserve to sit in that fucking pilot chair of being the dispatcher and sending assets where they need to go, and some don't. I used to tell one of my dispatchers, I have you in my ear. Yeah. You're the most important person to me right now. Yeah. Because of this, without even knowing that it was terminology, priming. Yeah. It was... Natural. It was our natural state. Here's the thing. We, we all have dispatches, right? That can turn a simple motor vehicle accident into fucking impalements and the whole nine yards. <laughs> and because they're yelling into the fucking radio. Defcon one. And you're like, holy shit. Am I fucking going to like an 18 wheeler that flipped over? Or am I going to an 18 wheeler that just got stuck under a bridge? Yeah, paper exchange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, we all have them. And, and say, again, I'm not just talking about the bad dispatches. There's also bad officers that do the same exact sure. shit. Could be a simple car stuff that turns into a fucking shit show. But again, it's priming. It's 100%. Priming because me as a cop going to help out a fellow officer who's screaming into the radio that turns out to be like dealing with a five-year-old who's out of control. You're like, why are you screaming on the radio? Like, you know, like relax. Look, it it, it goes both ways too, right? Like you got to learn. Some people just can't be changed. No. Right, so you got to learn their methods and their styles, and then you have to adapt. I mean, policing yeah. you, well, nine we out of them is do. adapting. Yeah, we always do. Right, so there's going to be a lot of where you can't change a lot of people's mindsets or yeah. dispatchers or yeah. other officers or anything like that. I think this is so valuable, Iman. This is one of these things where if, if Congress just gave a little bit of funding for this, there would be an invaluable amount of information that comes out of it. But you, but you know, I mean, it's funny to me, like funding, like who funds these is these private companies and, and you know, these think tanks like Sage and, and these universities, because they want to answer the question why. And they, and this, this study was one of the fairest I've seen. It is, but let me play devil's advocate for a second. Yeah. Not dogging anybody in the study. It's only 300 cops. Well, they did. That's why they said that. That's why they said they need more. So I, I don't want the, the, the training officer trying to be as nice as possible without insulting somebody, (laughs) the training officer who's got his master's or his PhD in fucking whatever, because he thinks he knows better to use something like this as doctrine. So you see what I'm saying? My training now, and a lot of training that I've seen that come across the, uh, MPTC, has a lot of this stuff because some, incorporated because of some of some of the uh, tr- trainers have gone through the course I've gone through and they're implementing a lot of stuff. Uh, Force Science recently went to the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force Training Center. They basically took all of Force Science's research and applied it into the curriculum 
of the U.S. Marshals. Yeah. Which is ingenious. It is and it isn't. Can I play devil's advocate again? Yeah. The way, not dogging, I know U.S. Marshals and some of the very good friends of ours. The way that U.S. Marshals operate is different than a beat cop. Here's the thing. Again, you got to tailor it to the profession. It has to constantly be molded. Yeah, that's what it is. So, So they took this study, right? They took all these studies and- built it in the, the curriculum of U.S. Marshals. You can take the studies, build it into beat officers. Yeah. You can take the study, build it into SWAT, right? Of, yeah, it yeah. Makes you 100 times better as a, as a cop, especially when you actually admit to yourself, yeah, human errors happen versus I'm invincible and I can do right. the fuck I want, yeah. you know? So- I'm the expert. I can do this and fuck you if you do it. Tell me to do I it otherwise. I the city. I am the city. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so that's why I wanted to share this and get this out. Hundred percent. I like it, dude. After I read it, man, I sent it to all the my entire command staff mm. uh, at my PD, and they all loved. They're like, "Oh my god, you know, this is great research and and all that." So they they really appreciated us, uh, me sending it out, and and it really. Again, it was a small subgroup, like we said, and and even in the research, they said it was a small subgroup. Like we need more information, more research. You know, it's just it's it's it, part of the you know the concerning one was you know the six officers that ended up shooting the guy with the cell phone who dispatch told them, primed them, mm-hmm. telling them that he had a cell phone. Again, not the dispatcher's fault. No, not the dispatcher's fault. This is again this. That's why they called it a false positive, like right, an error, right? Okay. Like, Okay, you guys are dumbasses. We told you it was going to be a cell phone, yet you still shot the guy. Look, I, I always reference the almighty Supreme Court yeah. when they talk about things. And they say, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yes. The the good thing that we have now is we have technology. Yeah. And that we can go through these things. Not to say that we're going to perfect policing. No. It's never going to be perfect. Here's the thing. Like, like I always say, it's kind of like watching film, right, of, of yeah. sport teams. You, you watch these films and then you rep, you start working, you start doing stuff. Same with SWAT. We're about to hit a location. We will rep the location over and over and have plan A, B, and C, and D. And here's the other statement that I make to that. We can watch the films. There's different films that we watched in the 1970s to that we did last year, right? And how they did things. Mm -hmm. So things are, if we realize that things are constantly evolving, then we have more of a probability to make policing a lot better. And I'll tell you right now, like body cam videos that come out, they are excellent training ARs. Sure. We're not dogging the cop, whatever decision they made, they made, but it's learning from that. Look, the most perfect cop can make a bad decision. Oh yeah. Right. You can have the best tactical fucking Velcro warrior that fucking fucks up an entry. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How many times did we do it in training? Oh yeah, we we see it even even on the 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 Delta Force side. Will you see the funny videos where they accidentally throw the flashbang and bounces and back. bounces and back? It, it happens. Shit happens, <laughs> yeah. right? This isn't this isn't this sexy fucking thing that's like perfect. It's not the movies. It's not. Well, yeah, that's it's not the, the best movies. way to put that's it. That's the thing. It's not. It's not Rambo. <laughs> it's not. It's funny. I was I was doing a. I've been doing a. Uh, speaking of Rambo, I'm going to completely sidetrack. Yeah. Um, 
Rambo is, uh, I've gone through the Rambos and I laugh now at like the Rambo one, two, and three. And I'm like, God, you can't shoot like that. <laughs> like, you can't take an AK with one hand and shoot it like a gangster. Like, Why you know? not? I know. I do it. Like, again, I'm segueing, but you, anyways. I, when you pulled this article up, the yeah. first fucking thing, and I wanted to die laughing, right? Oh. Introduction The situation described by Sheriff Rambo yeah. is not unique to Los Angeles. I was like, please read it. Please read it. Yeah. Please read it. Please read it. <laughs> I so, mean, this was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I figured you'd uh, you'd like it, and I, I hope our listeners like it. And uh, we'll post it on on the uh, show notes. Yeah, you know, they, uh, I'm sure you can. I gotta uh, figure out how to do that or something. Yeah, yeah, because it's not on a website, so. I don't know if I can post it as a PDF, but oh, you know what? Maybe okay. email us and we can send it to you, yeah, too. Yeah, actually, that's true. You can I'll email see if us. I can finger it out. ProjectSapien2020gmail.com. We love hearing from everybody. Send us emails. Hate us. Love us. Whatever. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, dude, the one thing that I do know for a fact is I know nothing. Yeah. And that's... Uh, one of your famous Greeks have said that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guys, Project Sapient. Check us out, projectsapient.org. We want to thank our tens of thousands of listeners, our supporters, Till Valhalla, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at Profiles and Havoc, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, OD Kit. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We love you. Stay safe. Stay sapient. Stay sapient.